0: Welcome to Tramlines, a podcast from Agri. I'm your host, Tony Smith, putting your questions to the experts. Today we're talking to Agri's Tom Land, Fertiliser Technical Manager, and Josh Pratt, Fertiliser Product Manager. Mitigating risk and managing opportunity with fertiliser. How can we do that when input costs and output prices can be so changeable, combined with the challenges of growing a crop? Josh, if I can come to you first... um, What is the fertiliser market looking like right now and how is it changing? I think in order to
1: discuss where we are at the moment, it's really important to take a look back over the last couple of years at some of the drivers that have been influencing our market. We've seen changes globally and here in the UK, um, particularly on supply of certain products. If we look back as far as leaving the EU, whilst on its own wasn't a big change and didn't see a big sort of reaction in the market, on top of other things we're going to talk about, it did influence some of the supply that we saw um, in terms of losing trade deals with certain countries. Really, though, we started to see the big difference, the big change as we came out of uh, lockdown and we started to see industry and the demand for goods and products really increasing. For fertiliser, the natural gas market is particularly important because it's a raw material in the production of nitrogen. And the increasing costs there added on to costs of manufacturers. And it was summer of 2021 that we first started to see European producers reducing production or even shutting facilities for the first time. And that's where we saw fertiliser prices really see their first significant jumps in the market.
0: And Josh, bring us up to date with changes in the last 12 months or so.
1: As we moved into 2022, uh, we got the horrible news um, that Russia had invaded Ukraine. And the subsequent sanctions that were placed on Russia really had big implications on the fertiliser industry. Firstly, we saw further reductions in the supply of natural gas and prices really escalated there to record highs. That caused further plant shutdowns um, across Europe. And at the peak, we saw a significant amount taken out of production. The other reason is Russia in its own right is a big supplier to the global market, uh, particularly for nitrogen and potash. Uh, And we saw through the sanctions, the scarcity, the worry that this product wouldn't get onto the market and really drove nitrogen and potash prices up. Whilst not the same sort of scale, Russia does supply a lot of phosphate into Europe, and we saw phosphate prices in Europe increasing as well, and they sit at a premium to a lot of the global markets. But as we move forward, uh, global markets started to adapt to the situation. We did see product become available out of Russia, and uh, prices have started to ease to where we are today. Now, there is still a bit of a hangover from the last two years, and that's helping to support prices.
0: Sure. And, and Tom, to bring you in here, um, you know, I know we've talked about this to some extent before, but, you know, what, what are the traditional buying habits when it comes to fertiliser uh, requirements for the farm business?
2: Well, it, it's all, it all used to be based on, 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 a, on a historic thing, really. There always used to be uh, a June reset for fertiliser. So the new season fertiliser market always used to, used to start in June. Um, and, and probably we, we always used to fairly much say that, that, if you bought your fertilizer in June, it was the best price you bought, you know, you, 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 kind of, you helped the factories in, in terms of their, their production by buying, um, you know, through the season, but, uh, you know, being able to manage a large volume all purchased in one hit. So the June market always tended to be the best time to buy your nitrogen fertilizer.
0: And Josh, how could farmers change their fertiliser buying patterns to help mitigate the fluctuations in prices?
1: We still traditionally see that there is a financial advantage to purchasing early um, or across a 10-year period. However, that advantage is potentially shrinking and therefore there's a growing idea behind, well, let's leave some of our purchasing till further through the year. And that's got a couple of advantages to it. The first being that we mitigate some of that risk in the market and we can get an average price throughout the year. But I think secondly, more importantly, is we can start to buy accurately for our uh, crops requirements.
0: So, Tom, Josh talks there about making sure we're buying the right products. And I know we've covered this in many ways on some of our previous podcasts, but how can farmers and growers ensure that they're buying the right fertiliser at the right time for the right need?
2: Yeah, there's lots of things you can do, and technology has helped us a lot along the way. So um, we know, obviously, the, the 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 onset of precision farming has resulted in less usage of P and K um, on a, on an annual basis because people have been targeting nutrients to to specific locations in fields using variable rates. But also, you know, technology still continues to move because we're now in a period where we're, we're looking at drills and placement fertilizer technology so the ability to place nutrients down the spout means you potentially make huge savings um you know between 20 to 40 pounds a hectare savings by targeting nutrition down with the seed uh, rather than just broadcast applications over the top so there are a lot of changes and and the changes in technology that, that is coming into agriculture uh, are helping mitigate you know the, the, you know the the overall volume you know we're certainly seeing you know, annual trends of, of, of nitrogen, phosphorus, potassium usage declining over the years, which which to me is a sign that people are getting better use, better use efficiency out of these things. But there's a lot more fine tuning we can do along the way now with, with with the help of technology, but also with the help of, of, of understanding, you know, crop specific requirements through the growing season.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, and Josh, what would be your advice in terms of technically what you could see farmers doing even more of?
1: It's been really interesting over previous years to see this increased focus on precision farming, whether targeting nutrients through variable rate applications or by placing it with the drill. And potentially with the high prices seen in the last few years, there's been an even closer focus on doing this. If we're going to pay the high price for fertilizer, let's make sure we're utilizing the nutrients the best we can. And we've seen that to great effect, particularly when we've talked about placement fertilisers and starter fertilisers. But with the softening of P&K markets, there's also a real opportunity to look at applying these in the seed bed, particularly where maybe we haven't uh, applied any P&K in the last few years, and other nutrients. So there's a real advantage there, and there's going to be, through this autumn and spring, a real opportunity.
0: And Tom, I know that you were talking to a, a grower only this morning about making some uh, adjustments to what that crop needs in terms of nutritional requirements. You know, how do growers go about making those in-season adjustments and balance that with buying at the right time?
2: You know, it's hard to make your buying decisions on one day of the year when you're not sure what, what your overall cropping is going to be at the time. Um, and also... Like Josh says, it, you know you do sometimes need to take a retrospective look back as well in terms of what works. So you know we've been encouraging people to use nitrogen use efficiency calculations to monitor their grain nitrogen levels to give them an indication as as to whether they are supplying too much nitrogen to the crop through fertilizer during the growth season, but or also conversely, are they not applying enough? You know you know one thing we're picking up this year is that potentially um, grain nitrogen levels could be could be lower than average. For a variety of different reasons, one being the the climatic conditions, the, the the high rainfall in March, and also low soil nitrogen measurements that we picked up at the start of the season. But this is this, this has some potential challenges when you're starting to maybe achieve milling wheat crops of 13%, um, or or high 12 to 13% proteins, uh, and we're currently measuring you know in some situations an 11 and a half potential protein through um, using tools such as the root protein prediction test. So what that says to me is that and growers quite rightly have made economic decisions to maybe make significant cuts to nitrogen rates last season or the season we're just in. Uh, but in turn, we need, to, we need to know what specific market you're hoping to grow that crop in, because if you are trying to achieve a high protein uh, and we're picking up these low levels now, we need to make, this is the, our last chance to really make a decision. Do we go in, back in with some more nitrogen, with this foliar nitrogen, to try and help lift that protein in, in the mini
0: wheat crops? Uh, Thanks, Tom. Very interesting indeed. Josh, what would you add?
1: Tom's example there really of cutting nitrogen rates shows that there are times that we are caught scrutinising our input costs in isolation to how that's going to affect our performance uh, and crop output. It's really important that we look across the full picture that sometimes if we are going to look to cut our input costs that we are making sure that we've got evidence to back up that we can do that but also by saving 10 15 pounds a ton by potentially buying an inferior product when we break that down on a cost per hectare we don't see the savings we first thought particularly when we look at it on a hectare basis that our savings are potentially not as large as we first thought particularly if we take into account potential loss in margin from loss of performance in in crop um, output.
0: Learn more about our AgriStart fertiliser range, including AgriStart Release, a unique phosphorus activator in soils. AgriStart Release increases the availability of other soil nutrients, prevents lock-up and in turn increases the release of phosphate visit agri.co.uk forward slash release or click link in bio tom just remind us of some of those key tools you talked about some of them just now but that we can use to monitor in season and really gauge what we need to do to mitigate that risk
2: i'm a big fan of soil nitrogen sampling but i'm also um I also think you need to cross-reference that with, with soil texture and soil organic matter. So a lot of people will have been doing soil organic matter tests. And I think those two combined help the grower to understand how much that nitrogen could come available through the growing season. So you've got a large amount of nitrogen in the soil. You've got something you can tap into. Also crop monitoring. So so measuring uh, crop biomass, crop NDVI um, also gives an indication of how much captured nitrogen is in the crop. And, and and. You know, in the majority of situations, if you've got a large green area index, uh, either in oilseed rape or winter wheat, you've captured nitrogen the crop can utilise. Uh, and that can be taken account for as part of your nitrogen recommendation. So so there's a couple of pieces of the toolkit, but also, you know, soil analysis. Now, you, you if you've got reasonably strong soil analysis levels and your indexes are good, then you've got the reason to make you know, changes. You don't need to apply as much fertiliser and it may help your focus to say. I'll target my attentions to lower soil nutrient statuses, invest my money in those areas of the farm, rather than maybe taking a blanket approach to all fields, um, which which of course is
0: going to cost you more money. So listening to you both, it sounds like the best way of finding success is by managing and balancing that buying of our input costs at the best price with buying what we need and adjusting that in season.
1: It's really important that we have a plan in place as we start our purchasing in the year, but keep flexibility in it so that we can adapt to what we're seeing when monitoring crops and what may be required there as we go through the growing season.
0: Josh, you know your your advice makes perfect sense to me. That that intricate balance of purchasing the best you can with optimizing your output. Tom, how can growers get that right?
2: You know, obviously you you can, you know, you've got technology, so there's loads of things you can do now, you know, in terms of Monitoring crops and and are targeting nutrition, so you can get that. You know, there's a, there's enough information from us and 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 industry to help achieve the right you know N optimums, but also the right amounts of P and K for the growing crop. I think in terms of understanding the markets, I think as well is 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 understanding the drivers, like Josh has highlighted, in terms of you know it doesn't take much for something to change around the world to have a direct influence on fertilizer pricing these days. And we used to be shielded from that volatility to some extent, by, like Josh again says with with fertilizer factories. So we're more exposed to volatility on that side, but also we know that you know our, our, we are improving what we're doing with fertilizers. We just need to keep fine tuning it along the way, and, uh, I, and I think you know you know it's good to see more growers doing soil organic matter testing, which which is which is a real help in terms of understanding soil fertility. Um, you know just only on a basic level but also it will help us understand you know which fields which crops recover nitrogen better which may in turn help us maybe target our nitrogen recommendations either upwards or downwards depending on the the requirement of the soil and the crop really
0: yeah sure and can I just pick pick up on that Tom it's a really interesting point Uh, are you seeing that some of the additional testing that's going on right now with regen agriculture you mentioned the organic matter is that a new, uh, if you like, thread of, of information that's coming in that's helping make your nu- nutritional decisions?
2: Well, I think um, under the first round of the SFI, a lot of people started testing for soil organic matter because there was funding available for that. Um, and and it, it, it enabled people who, who wouldn't necessarily test for soil organic matter to start testing for soil organic matter. So it, it opened up a lot of discussion on farm, Um, around the soil test, because obviously if you've got a good organic matter level, say 4%, 5%, more than likely your your soils are going to cycle nutrients a lot better. They're going to hold potentially moisture better, but also they're going to structure themselves better, which in turn means um, the plant will be able to to access nutrition from the soil a whole lot better, and we might be able to make – you know, reductions downwards in terms of total amounts of, of nutrition needed to grow those crops.
0: Thanks, Tom. And Josh, at the start of this podcast, you talked about the potential benefits of growers and farmers changing the way they buy their fertiliser. Listening to Tom's technical advice, how can we start to bring that together? How can we formulate a plan that could help mitigate some of those fluctuations in our input prices and to take advantage of the opportunities? What are your thoughts?
1: We need to make sure we have that plan in place before starting our purchasing, but make sure there's flexibility there to be able to uh, change our purchasing habits. Let's not get caught up on the things that we can't change, like market volatility, and instead focus on making sure our purchasing is accurate, um, particularly for the crop that we've got in the ground Um, to make sure we are increasing that return or managing that return on investment.
0: So from both of you, what I'm hearing very clearly is that we have a lot that we can control on our farms to maximise the opportunity and mitigate the risk. Have I got that right?
2: You said mitigate the risk, but also that mitigate the risk is not just the financial risk, but also um, the risk to getting things wrong in the environment as well. Because if we're if we're making better use of fertilizers, uh, which in turn means we're not maybe applying excessive amounts of fertilizer, which have negative effects on the environment, not just not just things like the carbon footprint of a crop that everybody seems to be focused on at the moment, but also applying too much phosphorus to soils when crops don't and soils don't require it, can exacerbate pollution uh, in, in rivers through soil erosion. So I think, you know, the risk is not just financial, it's also you know, we're doing good for the environment by putting the right nutrients in the right place.
0: And Tom, how would you sum up what we've been discussing today and turn that into, you know, your offering in terms of advice to those listening today?
2: You can't just sit back, um you you almost need to take a buying approach to to fertilizer, like you take a selling approach to grain, don't you? You know, you, you need to keep track of what's of what's going on in the market.
0: So, Josh, how would you sum up what we've discussed today, thinking about the technical side that Tom's been talking about and some of your top tips about buying patterns and what's going on in the fertiliser markets? I
1: think my final bit of advice would be, let's take the work that Tom and other colleagues are doing um, on monitoring crops, on the analysis, and use that to inform our purchasing decisions to make sure that we're more accurate with what we're buying. Um, In terms of the market, yes, we are seeing a lot more volatility, but there is still an advantage to buying early. But also, let's look at spreading our purchasing through the year. Let's use, there's a lot of information out there um, available that covers some of the drivers we've discussed today. Uh, Let's use all of that information to decide on when we're purchasing um, our fertiliser.
0: Well, thank you, Josh and Tom, for your valuable insights on mitigating risk and managing opportunity with fertilizer. You can find other podcast episodes discussing soil health, autumn and spring nutrition, how to achieve net zero and lots more here on Tramlines. That's it for this podcast, but do tune in again as we meet the experts throughout the season, exploring the many immediate and longer term questions for growers and farmers in the UK. If you have any questions that you'd like us to ask the experts, email info at agri.co.uk. See you next time.